Well, everyone knows what this is, right? This is an eye chart. Doctors will, will use these to help determine how good your vision is or what your vision is. Now, I do wear glasses, but my eyesight's actually pretty good. My, my vision, my, my distance vision is, is great. My close-up, my near vision is getting worse as I get older. Some of you know what that's like. Um, at 45 years old, I find myself doing this more often, trying to find the perfect angle to read something, right? My children use this to mock me, by the way. Uh, they'll bring something to me. They say, hey, I want to show you something. Then they'll hold it several feet from my face and say, can you see it now, old man? And I'm like, can you pay for your internet, young whippersnapper or something like that? I don't know. I'm old for even thinking that. Well, my eyesight's actually pretty good. My, my wife's eyesight is a whole different story. Like if she didn't have her glasses on or contacts in, she literally just can't see a thing. And I'll never forget the time that I first fully understood how bad my wife's vision is. Uh, we were newly married. We were out of town visiting someone. And I don't remember how it all went down, all the specifics. All I remember is we had to go to the doctor because uh, she got an infection in her eyes that didn't allow her to put her contacts in. For some reason, she didn't have her glasses or something. I don't remember. We ended up at the doctor's office because she had this infection. And the doctor came into the examination room, and there was an eye chart like this on the wall. And the doctor asked Sabrina. He didn't, didn't know how bad her eyesight was. It wasn't our normal doctor. He just asked her, uh, what's the smallest line on the eye chart you can read? And my wife, looking at the eye chart, said, what eye chart? I started laughing, which probably was not a smart move, and it may be even less smart to use this as a sermon illustration, but we've been married for almost 23 years, so I'll take the chances. Uh, the, the doctor, uh, I, I don't know if he thought she was, was kidding or what, but the doctor actually said to her, the one with the big E on it, to which my wife said in frustration, I promise you, looking at the eye chart, what E? It's the biggest one. I started laughing again, and I've been thankful for my vision ever since. <laughs> now, when it comes to our physical eyesight, physical lives, vision is vital, right? Like if, if any of you have, have major or even minor vision impairment, you, you know this all too well, how important vision seeing is, but it's not just vital to our physical lives. Vision is vital financially. It's vital in our health. It's vital relationally. Vision is definitely vital for our spiritual lives as well. I feel like so many of us are like my wife in that examination room, but when it comes to life, except with us, it's not that we don't see the chart. It's actually we don't have a chart to even look at. We don't have a vision or a plan for our life, nothing that we are pursuing. Zig Ziglar, a well-known author and communicator, said this, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. And sadly, that's how I think many of us live our lives, aiming at nothing. No plan to pursue. We're just letting life happen to us. So with the first sermon series of the new year, I want to challenge and inspire and equip all of us to, to have what is the title of our sermon series, to have 2020, a clear vision for our life. 
If you're new here, by the way, my name is Jeff Manis. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm thrilled uh, that all of you uh, have chosen to join us today, including anybody who's joining us on video or online sometime later. This series actually fits perfectly with our vision as a church. We exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. But, but listen, like, we're not going to experience any of those things, at least not on purpose, unless we have some kind of vision, some plan for our life. It was actually this last July, walking through a discovery of my own life vision, my own life plan, that this whole sermon series was born as a part of some ongoing education and training that we had our pastors on staff do. Uh, we did what was called the Daniel Harkavy Life Plan. It was an eye-opening and life-changing experience for me. It brought some clarity, some focus, and some vision to how I want to live my life, what I want to pursue in life. In, in the life plan, you divide your life up into uh, different life accounts, categories, if you will. And then it walked us through how to develop a vision statement for our life, to have a, a theme, a verse, a theme verse or a, a scripture verse for, for life. And then it helped establish for every life account a purpose statement, a vision, some goals and action steps to, to help us move towards accomplishing the vision that we believe God has for for us individually, and, and it, this may not sound like it's something that would interest you, but, but if you're interested in doing a life plan of your own, we have a two-page uh, overview and sample life account of what it could look like uh, out at the Next Steps wall. Um, you can get those today if you want. We're going to post them on our Facebook page as well in a digital format, and then I'll be releasing on my blog on Tuesday more of a detailed look at the process that I went through, and you can see a sample of my life plan on there as well and download a template to fill out your own. Uh, that will be on my website, jeffmanis.com, uh, this Tuesday. In this series, uh, I'm going to be preaching from my life verses. Now, everything in my life plan was born from these four verses, but we're going to use them, obviously not to just share my vision, but, but to apply to all of our lives in general, because I think they're that uh, good for all of us. Here's the theme scripture for our entire series, and then we'll have different scriptures for each sermon. Psalm 92, 12 through 15, says this, but the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon, for they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. They will declare the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. Aren't those awesome? I mean, as, as a Christian, as someone who, who believes in and follows Jesus, that should be a description we all want to pursue in life. It may not be your life verse like it is for me, but, but 20 years from now, if, if we as Christians were described in that way, would that not be awesome if that described our lives? Now, I know that not everyone here or everyone listening believes in God or follows Jesus, and that's your decision to make. Uh, you will be loved and welcome here whether you ever believe what we do or not. And even if you don't believe, while the specifics 
of this series might feel like it doesn't apply to you, I do think the principles and the process of just developing some focus in life is valuable for, for anyone. Each week, we're going to focus on one section from our theme scripture and then apply it to some vision for our life. This series is only four weeks long, so we can't talk about you know, every uh, life category, life account possible. Uh, but, but for all these life accounts, we want to take this scripture and focus on four very specific life uh, accounts for all of us. The first being, I believe, the most important, our spiritual life. Did you know that God has a vision for your life? In fact, God's vision for your life is so clear in Scripture, we made it the first part of our vision as a church to experience life to its fullest. John 10, verse 10, Jesus is recorded saying this, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose, my vision for you is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Other versions say life to the fullest. It actually reminds me of the first part of our theme scripture, Psalm 92, 12, uh, on the screens again says this, but the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like cedars of Lebanon, I think you can say they will live life to the fullest. So here's the big idea for today. It's on the screens if you want to write it down. God doesn't want us to just have life. God wants us to flourish in our spiritual life. God doesn't want us to just have life. He wants us to flourish in our spiritual life, God doesn't just give us spiritual life through forgiveness and then be like, well, you're forgiven. Good luck till you die. No. Like God wants us to, to flourish in our spiritual life, to thrive spiritually. But, but while spiritual life is given for free by faith in Jesus with no effort on my own, I can't earn anything to be saved or have spiritual life. While spiritual life is given Flourishing in my spiritual life requires effort. It takes work. You need discipline to flourish spiritually. It's not going to just happen. So the big question we've got to ask today then is this, how can I flourish in my spiritual life? Anyone want to flourish spiritually today? Maybe I'm just preaching this to remind myself of what I want to do. I hope this is landing for some people already. The main scripture is Psalm 119. Verses 1 through 16, Psalm is found in the Old Testament portion of the Bible. It's the longest book in the Bible, if you just take the number of verses and, and chapters. It's made up of different psalms or songs uh, that are compiled then into this book called Psalm. Many of the psalms, including Psalm 119, our main scripture, are attributed to the author of King David. The same David, yes, that slayed Goliath. And speaking of slaying Goliath... Praise God in heaven for the Tennessee Titans. There is a God, and he is alive, and he proved it two weeks ago. Thank you, Jesus. Speaking of the Patriots, the very first verse, not just the Patriots, but them losing, the very first verse of our main scripture, the very first word says, joyful are people of integrity. 
Okay, let's, this is our main scripture, so I'm just saying. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil and they walk only in his paths. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. I love this prayer. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. Hello. Isn't that awesome? Like so much we could focus on, but for now I want to focus on that word joyful. Joyful are people of integrity who follow God's instructions, who search for him with all their heart. How can I flourish in my spiritual life? I think this is the, the exact place it starts for those of us who believe. It, this is so important. I'm, it's from the scripture here, but I, I do think it's, it needs to be the first one because it's most important. Number one is this, decide where I'll find joy. I got to decide where I'm going to find joy. And here's why this is so important. I cannot decide whether joyful things will happen to me. I can only decide where I'm going to look for joy, where I'm going to find joy. The reality is I can search for joy in pleasure, but, but pleasure fades away. I can search for joy in my circumstances, but I can't control my circumstances, so I will be continually let down. I can search for joy in my possessions, but my possessions can be taken away. And let's just be honest, there is always someone else who has more. I can search for joy in relationships, whether they are romantic ones, friendship ones, or family ones, but all relationships come to an end either by death or by decision. So I can't find my joy there. David says, joyful are people of integrity, and that word integrity is not even what you think it means. It's so much better than what you think it means. That word integrity in the Hebrew language that David used to write this psalm, it literally means complete. Joyful are those who are complete, who are whole, who are filled up. Joyful are those who follow God's instructions and search for them with all their hearts. Our theme scripture points to this as well. Psalm 92, 12, we, we read it earlier. The godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. We're, we're going to bring this palm tree uh, out here every week. It's going to be our, our symbol. I want this to be our symbol, if you will. Um, first of all, it's going to remind us of warmer climates. Can I get a witness up in here? <laughs> which all you guys will be complaining in July about how hot it is. Just wait, all right? But first of all, it'll, it not only will we run into some warmer climates, but really this palm tree is going to, it's going to be our symbol of what a godly life looks like. And, and here's why. From this verse, I looked up some commentaries. The first one's called the treasury of David. He speaks to the cedar tree. He says this, on the summit of the mountain, unsheltered from the blast, the cedar waves its mighty branches, and so the truly godly person under all adversities retains the joy. Everyone say joy. joy. It retains the joy of his soul. That's what we're talking about. And continues to make progress in the divine life. 
And then Dr. Thompson, in a a commentary called Land and the Book, says about the palm tree from our uh, uh, theme verse, The palm tree does not rejoice much in winter's generous rain, nor does it droop under the drought and the burning sun of summer. Neither heavy weights which people place upon its head, nor the constant urgency of the wind can sway it aside from perfect uprightness. There it stands, looking calmly down upon the world below and patiently yielding its large clusters of golden fruit from generation to generation. Isn't that awesome? Like, what they're saying is that should be the description of our lives in Christ. So so why does the godly person not droop under seasons of drought or the scorching of the sun? Why don't heavy weights or the coming winds sway them aside? Why under all adversity does the godly person retain the joy of their soul? Because they are complete. They're whole. They are filled up in Christ, complete in their relationship with Jesus. They have decided to find joy in him and his commands, not in what happens around them. Psalm 119, verse 143, later in this psalm, David says this, As pressure and stress bear down on me, so as all the weights of life come in, I find joy in your commands. As Christians, one of the ways that we can intentionally focus on our pursuit of Christ as the one who completes us, pursuing him as the author, source of our joy, is through the discipline of fasting. Fasting is the abstaining of food for a set time in order to pursue Jesus in our souls, in our spirits. As a part of my life plan, I wanted to make sure I was intentionally fasting in my life. Uh, Most of us love food, and so we don't intentionally just choose not to eat it, right? So fasting's a choice. And I knew if I didn't make it part of my just regular life plan, I probably wouldn't do it as much. So in my spiritual life account, I committed to fasting one meal each week, one day each month, and one week each year. And tomorrow, I will be starting a week-long food fast, only consuming liquids and pursuing Jesus during that time. And I would just want to encourage anyone who wants to join me in some kind of fast within the next week. Doesn't have to be a week long. Maybe you do one day, maybe one meal, maybe one thing you're fasting from. If you want to do that, I encourage you to join me. Here's some fasting guides. They're available at the doors on your way out. If you don't know what fasting is or want some some help in what it looks like to fast, uh, we've made those for you at the doors. They're available on your way out. God doesn't want us to just have life. He wants it to flourish. So how can I flourish in my spiritual life? I've got to decide where I'm going to find joy. One of my words of truth that I say out loud over my life every day is this. I will take heart. I will have joy. And I will have peace. For my Jesus has overcome this world. I want my joy rooted in Jesus and nothing else. Verses 7 through 10 then says this. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your decrees. Please don't give up on me. Isn't that an awesome prayer? Like we should be praying that every day. God, don't give up on me. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. 
I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. So the, the second thing I see in the scripture that helps us flourish spiritually is this. Determine to learn God's ways. Determine to learn God's ways. The key word in those verses we just read is learn. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. Not when I agree with all your regulations. Not, not when I understand all your regulations. Not even when I know all your regulations. As I learn them, I will thank you by living as I should. Spirit, flourishing spiritually does not happen overnight. It takes time. It's a process. Going back to our, our, our palm tree here, Dr. Thompson in the Land in the Book commentary said this about the palm tree, and this should describe our spiritual life. The palm tree grows slowly but steadily from century to century, uninfluenced by the changing of the seasons which affect other trees. Or let me make it more personal. The godly person grows slowly and steadily from century to century, uninfluenced by the changing of the seasons which affect other people. That we can stand firm, solid, steadfast, growing steadily. And I believe the one discipline this starts with, the one discipline is the discipline of reading the word of God. It's way easier than fasting. It's actually really simple to just read. Yet it's the one that most Christians struggle with. It's a daily time in the word. And listen, you will never learn God's ways apart from being in God's word. Because God's ways are expressed in his word and they are learned over time. It's the continual practice of doing it. That, that builds it up in your life. Now, this is a weird transition, okay? But, but hang with me. One of the reasons so many people give up on their resolutions so quickly in the new year is because they don't see a change overnight. They don't see it quickly enough. They're, they're not committed to the long game, if you will. And listen, I'm not against New Year's resolutions at all. I'm not against them. This whole series is born from the premise that we should set goals for our life and, and pursue a vision in life. I think it's a good habit to have goals to pursue. It's a great time at the new year to set those goals and start pursuing them. But I'm telling you, what so many Christians need today is not another resolution, what we need is some revelation from God's word. We need his truth speaking into our, our lives. We need to learn his righteous regulations and then thank him by living as we should. The, the purpose statement that I have in my spiritual life account says this, everything in my life will rise and fall on the strength of my relationship with the Lord. None of my personal, relational, or professional accomplishments will matter if I fail in this one area. So I will commit myself to the Lord and his ways every day. And one of the ways, one of the action steps in my life plan to live this out is by reading the word of God every day. 
I was already pretty disciplined at this, but I wanted it in my life plan. I, I said this, even if this means I only read the verse of the day, I will not miss one day in the word with the goal of reading through the Bible every year. Which was about the pace I was on before, just reading through the Bible. And listen, with today's technology, there is literally no excuse for any follower of Jesus not to be in the word of God every single day. No excuse. There's none. There are so many free resources and ways that we could get into the word of God starting right now. Like if you don't own a Bible, we give hundreds of them away every year. You can get one today. So not having a Bible can't be an excuse. Just ask for one out in the lobby before you go. We'll give you one for free. Here's a whole list. I'm going to fire through these, but there's the YouVersion Bible app. It's free on any mobile device. Download that. There are literally hundreds and thousands of Bible reading plans and devotionals that you can go through on, my, on YouVersion Bible app. MyBibleJourney.org is a website that Pastor Andy on our staff started. He has a, a, a devotional for every single chapter in the entire Bible on that website, okay? You can read the Psalm and Proverb of the day. Today's January 12th. Read Psalm 12 and Proverbs 12, and you have read the Psalm and Proverb of the day. You can read one section a day of Psalm 119. If you don't know, our main scripture, Psalm 119, is broken down into 22 sections. Eight verses is one section. You can read eight ver a section a day, eight verses, and in 22 days, you'll have read Psalm 119. You can have a 21 devotional. We wrote them just for you. They're available out in the, in the lobby. Just ask for a 21 devotional. They follow the 21 chapters of John. We're super creative. 21 chapters, we call it 21. They're free. You can read a chapter of John, read the devotional, some questions to ask, a prayer to pray, and that. And you might say, I'm not, I'm not a very good reader. Then listen to the Bible. And then you can listen to it. In fact, there's a great resource called Street Lights Bible. It takes the Bible and you can listen to it in the most cool way I've ever heard in my life. Here's the first 30 seconds of the Gospel of John from Street Lights Bible. Check it out. The Gospel of John, Prologue, Christ, the Eternal Word. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created. How cool is that? Like, I wish I sounded that cool. You don't want me reading the Bible to you, I promise, but I listen to that guy all day long. And then you might say, this is, uh, with all that, well, I don't understand the Bible. Listen, I'm pressing hard as your pastor today, okay? I'm pressing hard. But part of the reason some of us don't understand the Bible is because we're not reading it. Like, no one understands anything the first time they read it. There's a reason why at 45 years old, I no longer know how to do algebra. I stopped studying it because it's stupid. <laughs> if you're a math teacher, I apologize. <laughs> but if you don't keep with it, you will not understand it. I've been a pastor for over 20 years. There's still parts of the Bible I don't understand. That's, that's part of the game is there's things we don't understand. And if you don't understand the Bible, like for real, get in a small group, 
Small groups are the best. We, we don't get kickbacks for you signing up, I promise. Like the reason we push it so hard, it's the best thing for us to grow spiritually is to be in a group of other Christians learning together where I can ask questions and you can ask questions and, and we learn from one another. And there's sometimes in my group a question's asked and none of us know the answer. And that's okay. We're, we're learning together. And yet there are still people that will say things like this. Well, I'm pretty good. I know the Bible. I understand it. I don't need a small group. Listen, if you are someone that knows the Bible so well and you are so mature that you don't need a small group, would you please start a small group? I'll sign up for yours so you can teach me how not to need a small group. Because I'm the pastor and I need one. We, we don't learn in isolation. We learn in community. So, so just look through the booklet, sign up for a, a group, and listen, you might not find one the first try. There's going to be some groups you're like, dude, those people are weird. And yes, it might be my group. That's okay. But <laughs> try one the next season. And the next, I promise you, you can find a group of people that you connect with where you can grow together in the Lord. You will, you are, you, you will never grow the way that God wants you to if you're in isolation. God doesn't want us to just have life. He wants us to flourish in our spiritual life. So how can I flourish? God, decide where I'll find joy. I got to determine to learn God's ways. And then the last verses here, 11 through 16, says this. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I have recited aloud all the regulations you have given us. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. So the third way I think we can really flourish in our spiritual life is this. Dedicate to memorize the word. Dedicate to memorize the word. You, you want to take your, the, when I say the word, I mean the Bible. Not the whole thing. That's ridiculous. Verses at a time. You want to take your faith and knowledge of the word to the next level? Start hiding it in your heart so you don't need it on paper. Amen. And don't, don't tell me you can't memorize. That's baloney. Because almost all of us can quote movie lines and song lyrics at the drop of a hat. We, we can say, we can, we can repeat out loud things our family said to us 10 years ago. The reason we think we can't memorize is because we've not determined or dedicated ourselves to do it. It's, it's a discipline. One of the things I'm challenging our staff with this year is to memorize scripture together. And so we're going to try to memorize one verse a month, which is not that hard, and apply it to one of our core values or to part of our vision. And I want to invite you on the scripture memory journey with us. So every month I'll be telling you what the verse is. This month our staff is working on memorizing Galatians 1.10 says this, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. That ties to our core value of obedience is our success. Our success will not be determined by outcome, but by our obedience to God. I want to be Christ's servant, not trying to please people. There's some apps that can help you with Bible memory. The one I use is the Bible memory app. It's free. 
on any app store. And then Fighter Verses is another one you can use. It's just an app that helps you memorize scripture. God doesn't want us to just have life. He wants us to flourish in our spiritual lives. So how can I flourish? Decide where I'll find joy. Determine to learn God's ways and dedicate to memorize the word. There's other things we haven't talked about, but those three I think are really, really, really important. But lest we forget the real reason we're doing all this, we need to remember that none of what we talked about produces eternal life. Like, I, I don't get let into heaven based on how much Bible I read or memorize. I don't get let into heaven based on how much joy I had in spite of my crappy circumstances. This is actually part of the problem Jesus had with the religious leaders of his day. The religious leaders thought that by doing certain things, by actually learning scripture, they would receive eternal life. John 5, 39, Jesus says this to them, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Like, why am I so passionate about us being in God's word? Why am I so adamant that we, we dedicate to memorize scripture? Because scripture points us to Jesus and Jesus is life itself. He is eternal life. I said it at the beginning, eternal life, spiritual life, it's given, it's free by faith in Jesus. I can't do anything to earn it, but flourishing, that takes work and effort and discipline. I, I don't wanna flounder in my faith, gang. I wanna flourish. Flourishing requires work. Here's the vision for my spiritual life account and my life plan. By age 65, I did a 20-year life plan. My love of, passion for, and knowledge in the Lord will be higher than ever. I will continue to have a daily time alone with God where I am reading and memorizing the word, spending time in strategic prayer, and continually learning and sharing something new about the Lord. I will flourish like a palm tree and grow strong like a cedar in Lebanon. And I want that for you, too. I want that for you. So what's your vision for your spiritual life? Do you have one? Is there anything you're pursuing spiritually, or are you just kind of letting life happen? You'll never flourish spiritually until you have first experienced eternal life. We all have sinned. That sin separates us from God, but God loved us so much. He sent Jesus, God in the flesh, who, who lived the perfect life. He died in our place. He rose from the dead. And now by faith in Jesus, my sins can be forgiven. My life given power to, to live out uh, my life in a way that honors him. And then one day, one day I get to spend eternity with the man who died in my place. Come on. It all starts there. And if you've never experienced eternal life, if you've never been forgiven of your sins, listen, that's where it starts. And if you want to talk to somebody about that, find me in the lobby, find a staff member, a volunteer. You can stop by the purple tent in the back of the auditorium as soon as we're done. And a prayer team member would love to, to talk with you about what it means to put your faith in Jesus. You, we, we can't force you into a decision, but we're willing to talk to you. 
If you need prayer for anything, like if there's any need in your life, stop back there after the service and our prayer team will pray for you. If you're looking for a good group to start in, you might try out the starting point group. It's literally for people who don't even believe yet or just need a refresher on what, what does all this mean? God, Bible, Jesus, church, what does it mean? Starting point's a great group to get plugged into. Let me pray for you and then remain seated. I've got one, one closing remark. God, you're amazing. You not only give us your word, but then your word points us to Jesus. Lord, I pray in my life, I would never, Lord, I pray for me, may I never, ever, ever neglect your word. I don't want to. I want your word to define my life, nothing else. Lord, may we find our joy in you. May we continue to learn your ways as we go. And Lord, I pray that we'd hide your word in our heart, that we might not sin against you. Lord, don't give up on us. <laughs> don't give up. We're with you. In Jesus' name, amen.